that I sent you. Yo, I saw him. You and the mayor. You hanging out with some strong people, brother. <laughs> you hanging out with some strong people. And that's uh that's on code, man. That's on yeah, code. It was, a good, it was a good event, good networking event. Definitely. No doubt. Hey, code keepers, you're in for a nice treat tonight. We're gonna talk about excellence in business and in life. You know, we need to make sure everybody's on code because a lot of folk were out there doing that inward stuff. And we gotta stop doing that inward stuff. It's time to get on code. So uh let's get on code. All right, welcome to Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge of self. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to. And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system. We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build wealth, but we just, for some reason, don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine. That means nothing. What were you told as a child about education? You had to be how many times better? Every impression without an expression becomes depression. Woo! And there's a whole lot of depressed stuff happening in the world today. We were just talking about some of the craziness with uh, the folks who received Bruce's Beach back selling it back to Massa. <laughs> mm. So they got free and they sold some of their freedom back to Massa. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. That's why we have to really focus on excellence. Mm. That's why we have to really focus on excellence. So today on the Get On Code episode, we're dealing with excellence in business and life, and we're deading that N-word stuff. We got my good brother, my 1911 cousin, Tahi. What's up, bruh? How you doing? Yo, 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 yo. Peace. Peace to everybody. Yeah. How y'all doing? <laughs> they started the fight. We ended the fight. <laughs> it's the right, it's the fight for rights, though. It was a fight for the good thing. And on the foundation today, the good brother, the scholar, Minister Zumbi. What's good, bro? Peace. All right, so man, let's dive right on in, brother. Let's dive right on in. I see the comments are coming in, and I want to salute. All the family, yo, Music Land, wanna salute you. Moon's Evolution, wanna salute you. Yeah, we wanna salute you, wanna salute you, wanna salute you, and wanna salute you. Yeah, so, you know, there's some things that I guess we could really say are akin to customer service. Mm -hmm. You know, the way we treat each else, the way we treat each others each other, the way we treat each other and the way we treat ourselves. And I, I see that akin to customer service. And I know in the upcoming version of your book, Good Brother, you're dealing with how we can do better, how we can do better. So why don't you start off, man? Why don't you start off? Yeah, it's, um, you know, for, for those of us in, in the business world, you know, be us self-employed, entrepreneurial, et cetera, um, customer service has become not only a lost art, but also a lost science. And the reason I say that is because these are these are things that you don't get inside business school. There, there are things that unfortunately you have to learn on the fly. And in, in my 
uh, expanded edition of, of my forthcoming book of Gospel of Afronomics Theology, uh, I take a peek into what is considered quality customer service. This is just based on my observations as well as firsthand experience in customer service. And there's about 16 principles that uh, I came up with that, that I think would benefit us, not only as, as you say, in business, but in life as well. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, you were referencing that you're doing a new version of your book, The Gospel of Afronomics Theology. You, know, yes. you can pick that joint up. But, Tahi, I see this happening in the community. And when I deal with empowerment, I'm focused on the way we deal with ourselves and the way we deal with others. Do you see that in education? It's kind of interesting because, you know, Layla Hampton L. Peace, yeah. Layla Hampton L. Salute. I'm sorry, Islam. Um, she said, I tell my students, I don't accept mediocrity. I don't accept mediocrity. So, you know, what are we telling our students, man? What's happening in the schools? Yo, why don't you tap in real quick? So when I'm, when I'm looking at, because um, customer service is a big part of, of, I think, being a teacher and, and how you treat your students uh, goes a long way as far as what information they're able to retain. And unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, we get we we get students that that might not be quite as as well trained as we want them to be in class. So our customer service skills and our ability to build a rapport with those kids, um, it has to be, like you said, an excellence, because at the end of the day, these are the these are the, our future pharmacists, our future uh you know, computer programmers, our, our future, everything. So um, I think customer service when it comes to education and, and a lot of teachers might, I think, take it for granted, especially teachers who are, are veteran teachers. Um, they they kind of tend to take that for granted, but um, it's very important, you know, and we might not even call it customer service per se, but those students, technically, we're, 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 here, to, we're there to serve them. Right. We're, we're there to educate them. So I think it's a it's an important component when it comes to education. Agreed. Now, Minister, you were saying that there were 16 things that you found that can improve customer service in a business. I want to see if we can tap into those 16 and see if they also apply in in our community. Mm. So, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, selectively choose uh certain principles. So let's start off with the first one. Uh, this one I learned from my first business mentor, Robert Blackford. Never teach the customer a bad habit. Okay. Ooh. Now, what, what he meant by that when he taught me this, he says, I want you to think about this, about never teaching the customer a bad habit. If I'm Walmart, based on my customer service, what's the worst habit I could teach you as Walmart? Answer, go to Target and vice versa. <laughs> if I'm Home Depot, based on my customer service, the worst habit I can teach you is to go to Lowe's and vice versa. You never want 
your customer driven into the arms of your competitor based on bad customer service. Okay. All right. All right. So let's apply that. Let's apply mm-hmm. that to the schools first, brother. Tahid. Tahid, how, how does this apply to the schools? So really when it comes to public schools per se, um, the parents, they, they have the option to to transfer their kids from, from school to school sometimes, but most times they're locked in a particular uh, zoning area based on your address. Now, if, if, if you are um, one of those parents that are fortunate enough to send your kids to private school or to, you know, have those type of options, then, you know, most parents, I guess, I think would take advantage of that option. But in, in general, when we're talking about public schools, it's always based on your address. Well, particularly in in, in Georgia, per se, it's going to be you, what your address zones you into a particular school district and you you have an option of maybe one or two like high schools or one or two middle schools. So the options when it comes to that, um, say I'm not happy with one high school and I want to transfer to another one, um, it, it, it gets to be slim pickings if, if, if you don't have the capability or the, to like maybe pay for private school or homeschooling or something like that. See, I'm looking at it from a totally different standpoint when it comes to, you know, what's happening in the schools, man, because you know, the good brother was just shared that the message that Target wants you to keep is this is the place. There's no better place, right? Is that it? Is that it? Yeah. So, All let's, right. let's, so, so let me take it to the schools. Let okay, me take yeah. it to the schools. The message that you would think would be this is the place. Our school, our school is great but we're not necessarily teaching that because our our students' behavior shows different. Because if they thought this was the best place, our students would treat the space, the school, like it's the best space. Right. Well, let's take it one step further, okay? And I'm gonna introduce a student athlete component to it, okay? Let's take IMG Academy in Florida. Okay. All right. So the reason I'm taking it this way is because when we get into customer service and this goes into another one of my principles, the customer is looking for a consistently pleasant or pleasantly consistent result. So if I'm a high school student athlete and my ultimate objective is to get to the NFL or get to a major uh power five conference school, okay? And I look at the results that an IMG has produced, like a Trevor Lawrence who plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars or other high-profile athletes who have come through there, okay? Now I'm looking at them through a customer service lens of, okay, can this school get me to where I want to go? be it a power five conference or eventually set me up for uh, the NFL. And see, I think that's the key to what I'm kind of talking about. Mm. I think that our schools don't think that they're the place to be. 
So if a school is predominantly melanated, predominantly black, predominantly indigenous, predominantly Moorish, pick a term, use whatever term you rock with, right? Mm-hmm. We don't think that's the place to be. We don't think that's a good school. Why do you think we don't that think is that's a quality so- education? So and so if, if the message is uh Target wants you to think that this is the place you need to put your resources. Mm. I think in our schools and in our community, we need to say, this is where you need to place your resources. You know, let's take it to the community now. Mm. So many of us want to do better and move away. Mm. Right. And like the ALikes, you know, uh, the Dead Prez affiliates group called the ALikes, nice little hip hop group. I used to love their music, man. Mm. Um, one of they one of their songs talked about moving back into the hood and fixing the hood. Mm. You know, one of my brothers, I can't think of the uh good Morris brother, um, used to be involved with the Black Panther Party. He has a song, put the neighbor back in the hood. Mm. And I think in the same way good leadership says, Hey, we need to make this place the place to be. Right. Our schools and our community is missing somebody forcing, compelling, driving that agenda where this is the place to be. And not this is the place to be because we can get buck, we ain't gotta do no work. This not that message. Not the message like we come here because it's a whole bunch of fun. Not that message. The message the target is saying is this is the place to be because you get the best quality, you bet get the best customer service, you get the best products. Our schools and our community used to be the place where we had the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And I think we've lost that. You know, in our regime change, you know, as we lost our president, using that in quotations, I'm not talking about president of the United States, but I'm talking about president of the hood, president of, you know, the, the supreme principle. Uh, we've lost that ability to compel that message because mm-hmm. there was a time when our schools you know, there's a school in Atlanta, Booker T. Washington High School, right? Right? Yeah. There was a time where Booker T. Washington was the place to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is in now because I don't live in, you know, ATL. Salute all my ATLians out there. But yes. that's what we need to be able to push. And I don't think we're doing the best job that we corporately can in pushing that message. Well, let's take let's take it this way. Okay. Part of good quality customer service is what are we looking to produce? And I'm going to leave it, you know, on this education thread. Well, let's let's do this. Both of you are fraternity men. Okay. Now, I'll, I'll start with Seku first. When people, when young men want to come into Omega Sci-Fi, okay, they have to know that there's something on the other side of that initiation. In other words, good customer service that is being produced by Omega Sci-Fi, you know, the end game is to be a mighty Omega man. Okay, that's the end product. So what type of customer service will these young men receive during that process of becoming a mighty Omega man? 
Well, I have to say, brother, that our approach <laughs> is a little different. Our approach is this ain't for everybody. Okay. <laughs> Every man is not set up to be an Omega man, right? Okay. Uh, you know, you know, many are called, but chosen a few. You know, so that's kind of our approach. Um, and, and though to those who are listening, even though we might wear, you know, paraphernalia that has Greek letters on it, that doesn't mean that we're representing Greek as in G-R-E-E-C-E culture. It's just a lettering style. <laughs> and when we like, yo, you Greek, we're not saying, are you from Greece? We're saying, are you involved in an organization that used Greek letters? You know, so when we call each other Greek, it's really short for Greek lettered organizations. All right. So, uh, you know, back in the day when I was really heavy in some of the debates with Steve Coakley, I used to go to a lot of Steve Coakley <laughs> events, you know, and he called me an oath keeper and all the other <laughs> stuff, man. Um I had to say, yo, how do you how do you pronounce your name? Okay. How do you spell your name? Oh, you're using Phoenician letters. You know, you're using the letters that have derived from the Phoenicians. Are you Phoenician? Are you representing Phoenician? No, that sounds stupid. And so it's the same stupid argument. Okay, okay, I just went off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just we don't think we're from Greece. You know, that that's silliness. But Tahid. What do the Kappas promote? You know, you know what? What's the uh, customer service there? And then let's bring it back to the hood, man. Let's bring it back to the communities because I think that we've done a horrible job promoting the negativity and the degradation that happens in our community over the beautiful things that happen. So I, I'll go and give you an example of uh, one of the main initiatives that uh, we do when it comes to education. Uh, and cap out facade, uh, particularly going into the schools um, with our mentorship program called Kappa League, where we take young men, um, really starting from grades uh, six through twelve, and you know, provide mentorship, provide exposure for them, uh, and good education and, and a good environment to so they can grow. And the biggest thing is. Uh, he was we were talking about customer service and how do we because in turn while we're promoting education and mentorship we're also promoting the fraternity at the same time because many of these capital leaguers once they graduate from high school they go on to college and, and they play as q and, and play as kappa <laughs> no no sir but, but uh, all right yeah we went off track we went off track at the, at the end of the day when we're talking about <laughs> customer service and education though that's that that becomes very tricky i don't know if you ever i'm pretty sure you've heard the saying you get what you pay for right and that that becomes very very true when it comes to education and a lot of times you're not getting a quality education in schools because again you walk into a, a typical public school in atlanta georgia and immediately you you know the morale and you, you look at the teachers and the administration and how the students are acting and it, it's it's not somewhere where you walk in and be like oh this is the place to, to be this is where i want to be but now when you actually start traveling around like i've taught in many different places and private school as well and when you go to somewhere uh one of these private schools in atlanta like saint Pius, for example 
And it's a totally different experience. It's like the difference between going to McDonald's versus Chick-fil-A. The customer service is like night and day. And you, but when you look at the paychecks of those teachers, it's like night and day as well. Oh, I get that. You get what you pay for. Right. But, you know, most of the students that are going to our schools, our public schools, they don't yes. want to be there. Right. And, and, and why do you think that is? So I think that our community is doing something wrong when we're not promoting the benefits of a quality education. You know, we'll talk all day about what we didn't learn in school. We'll talk all the day about how schools are messed up. And we've really, for now, about two or three decades, 30 years, you know, we've been saying that, you know, things are screwy. Mm -hmm. And now we don't value the experience and the information that we get. And, you know, you know, you come on platforms like this, Chrome TV, our Black Empowerment, and now we're starting to get educated. You know, salute to the uh, master students out there. So now we're calling ourselves master students. But while we were in high school, we couldn't stand being there. And I think it's because our messaging is messaging and promoting that N-word stuff. Well, here here's another principle I'm going to throw in there that I think is uh, appropriate for, for the dialogue. The customer, and I'm putting this in quotations, purchases the customer purchases a solution and a result not a product or service okay so when the customer comes into the establishment okay that customer is looking for a solution and a result but what is the solution or result that the customer is seeking and does that establishment have the solution or result that a customer is seeking okay so the customer is seeking a solution and a result the question is what is that solution or result the customer is seeking and can the uh that establishment provide it that's that's interesting can our schools provide a a messaging that this is the place to be and you need to be on code here because okay. this is what I'm seeing. You know, when I'm, when I'm looking, this is, this is what I'm seeing. You know, I, I see people who just are looking to fight, you know, and I see students rushing to fights. You know, I see yeah. students that are like, I can't wait to fight, you know, and this is what we're kind of telling our students, you know, it's well, well, I lost the I lost the school fight one, <laughs> but you know these are the challenges that I think we're dealing with. So how do we better promote that? Yo, this is not the business. We doing the wrong thing. But but I think it still goes back to. You know, for the establishment, what solution or result can? What products and services are you providing? that can solve the problem that the customer brings to to the situation okay so let's say if this if the customer in this case the student comes 
looking for a solution. Let's say the solution or the result is to prepare him or herself for post-secondary education, college. All right. Now, does your institution or your establishment prepare or are you equipped to help solve my problem of wanting to go on to college? You know, I'm, I'm just trying to simplify it to see if, uh, if, if, if it fits the dialogue. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I do think that we're really promoting the N-word stuff. And because of that N-word stuff promotion, it's impacting our schools and it's impacting our communities. Oh, so basically you're saying we're promoting savagery. Let's... I would say so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you you see it. Uh, the videos he was just showing. Uh, if they're not trying to rush to film a fight, they're trying to do a TikTok and post it and go viral. Like those are the, that's like a, a big motivation when it comes to, you know, when, when the kids are at school and trying to keep the kids in the classroom where you can actually deliver content and, and, and deliver it in a, a, a way that it actually sticks. It's a big challenge when you're, you're fighting against that supercomputer that they have in their hand. And, when it comes to trying to promote, like wh how how uh, the minister was saying, promoting promoting that particular uh, service and and to get them to believe that this is a great place to come every day, um, I'm not sure that uh, public schools anyway are equipped uh, to do that. Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting point. That's kind of typing in exactly what the minister just said, that the schools are not equipped. So mm -hmm. is the hood equipped? Are our neighborhoods equipped? Well, let's, you know, I kind of go back to this where, you know, the old saying of it takes a village to raise a child. But if the village is sick then what can a sick village produce? Ooh, that reminds me of the BMF family. The um, sick, They produce sick children. The Black they, Mafia they, they family. Get, and they yeah. come to school. Okay, so Yo, now you're, In that Black yeah. Mafia family commercial, the lady says they didn't come from a broken home. They came from a broken environment. Okay, so so if if a village is in need of healing... And it can only produce sickness or maladaptiveness. Okay. And it's kind of like something Dr. Amos Wilson talked about. When you have a, a, a school system that's ill-equipped to deal with children who are coming from, and, and this is one of the reasons why we say giving every child the quote unquote same education doesn't work is because each child is coming from a different reality with different needs. Okay. So you can't, you can't have a cookie cutter approach to serving a customer, if you will, because each customer has a different need. If, if that makes sense. That does, that does. So 
let, let's bring that back to the hood. If we have yeah. to do a different approach, that reminds me of what Dr. King said. Dr. King said something specific happened to the Negro. Therefore, something specific should happen for the Negro. So something specific happened to our people. Right. So what do we need to do specifically to, to make sure that this stuff is deaded? Because this is right. the inward stuff that's holding us back. Mm-hmm. This is the inward stuff that's preventing our students from having the, the opportunities that life presents. Right. You know? Well, I think there, there are some examples of, um, of, of what we want to address. And there's three that come to mind. Uh, number one, the Marcus Garvey School in L.A. under the leadership of the late Dr. Anyum Palmer. Uh, there's a, a charter school in Detroit, uh, co-founded by Jalen Rose. And then the charter school that was uh, co-founded and developed by LeBron James, which deals with the realities of the children, you know, and, and their challenges. And they... Uh, you know, take steps towards meeting those challenges. I think there's even one, uh, there's a high school in South Carolina where the principal actually would work a graveyard shift at Walmart to help donate funds toward the high school to help give high, you know, supplies. So, so there are examples out there of, you know, doing things to help meet the needs of the customer, if you will. Okay, so it's not like we're we're looking at something theoretically. There are examples, there are precedents that are sent there, and then we can even take it back to Marva Collins and the Marva Collins Institute in Chicago. Why aren't this? Why why is why is this not happening as heavily? And I'll tell you why. And this is something. <laughs> this is something Dr. Amos Wilson says. He says, "Okay, the pol- the." the dysfunctionality and the pathological behavior of African people is a political and economic necessity. In other words, it's become, it's become a cottage industry, if you will. Okay. So there's no money in producing productive quality African people going through these school systems when there's money to be made each time you put a young African male in special ed or you start doping up African children with Ritalin and putting them on that track to become junkies at at an adult age. Okay. Are you going Dr. Umar on us? I mean, it's not even Dr. Umar. I mean, it's it's been documented as to as to the things that have been happening to our young people in in these in these school systems okay so so i know as educators you've got an uphill climb because now and i think it was there was a line that city portier said in a piece of the action on uh not him but the school teacher where basically you're given a thirty thousand dollar salary to clean up the mess that the school system dumped millions in to create. Hmm. You know, so it's almost like you're trying to fight, well, what is it, a windmill with a toothbrush. <laughs> and I think that's very indicative of, of 
what you face every day as a school teacher in the public school system, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, you're fighting this system that is, is is set up and you can look around and see that it's, it's definitely not set up to produce. And I've said this before uh, on previous shows that we've had, it's not set up to, to create critical thinkers or, or it's not set up to, to, um, to, you know, produce people that will produce things. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's set up to create more and more consumers and, at the end of the day, teachers aren't being paid, and definitely the pay doesn't motivate you to. A lot of a lot of them don't even try. That's true. That's true. Right. But th- this is not just happening in our schools. This is okay. also this inward stuff is also happening in our neighborhoods. Mm. How do we clean that up? And you know, I know the question is theoretical because we haven't cleaned it up in the schools yet. Right. <laughs> and we I, said yeah. earlier we may not necessarily have the capability or capacity, but I would disagree because I think we really have the ability and the capacity to change this. Mm. I just don't think we're doing the job we need to. And I think as adults, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we are we as adults? rewarding this type of savagery that we're witnessing okay because we as adults have to set the agenda and set the standard you know i think it was something that dr chika aku always says demonstration beats conversation so (laughs) if we're preaching to conduct ourselves in a civilized manner but we're practicing savagery and the you see us in our hypocrisy and in our contradiction, then this is the result that we get. So we as adults have to look at ourselves and say, okay, uh, are we demonstrating the type of upright, civilized, moral, and righteous behavior that we want the youth to exemplify? You know, before we start, you know, Peter Tosh said it himself. He says, look, you can't blame the youth of today. And part of the reason you can is because of what we as adults have done and not done in in our daily walk. Okay, so part of that savagery we have to own because these children are the products of our loins. True that. True that. All right. So so what's the next? I kind of want to get away from this inward stuff that I'm saying. This is a. (laughs) <laughs> yeah savagery let's just this call it savagery. savagery yeah yeah yeah, yeah so, so what's the next you know you mentioned there was 16 things that people had to really deal with for better customer service which what i'm describing is how we treat ourselves and mm-hmm. how we treat others yeah and what one of the things and let me go back up here because you know, I, I kind of started at the top. And like I said, I wanted to choose certain ones that are apropos to the dialogue. So I always say never teach the customer a bad habit. Um, the customer is purchasing a solution and a result, not a product or service. Uh, you must also do this. Treat every customer as... 
Well, let me take this one. Rent space in the customer's mind. And what I mean by that is this. You talk about institutions being the place to be. Okay. What one of the ways that you can rent space in the customer's mind, and I'm not only talking about the student, but also the parent. Okay. Because you also have to sell the parent on your institution or your school being the place to be. One of the ways you do that is to sell the features and the benefits of the institution. Okay. So let's say myself is the father. If I want my son or my daughter and, my, and, I'm, and I'm shopping for a school, what features and benefits can you sell me to convince my children that your institution is the place to be for them to attend? Hmm. All okay. right. So let, let's take that to the schools and then we'll take it to the hood. Okay. So let's say for the schools. Okay. Yes, my son is is an outstanding athlete, but he's also, um, you know, B plus average, where he's producing in the classroom. Plus, he's involved in community activities. You know, he works in uh, the city mission. He works in the soup kitchens. You know, volunteering. Okay, so what can you sell me? as a father in terms of your features and benefits that would enhance my son's overall development not just only as a student and as an athlete but as but as a human being so this is i guess the assumption that when you're saying you're you're shopping for schools that that you're shopping looking for schools that cost money when are we talking about public schools or it can be it can be a public it can be a private it can be charter okay i'm saying the the features and the benefits that your school would offer my son or my daughter or even my nephew or niece so i can give you uh kind of how we sell our school the school that i that i currently teach at um it's a charter school and um we focus on 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 stem education right mm -hmm. science technology engineering uh, mathematics those are that's the focus of the school they call it they call it a stem school and uh it attracts those type of students because uh for one your gpa has to be at a certain level before you even get to the school and um if your gpa drops below um well based on whatever track it could be a 3.0 or 2.5 if your gpa drops below that then you have to go back to your home school so it's one of those things where you choose to come to the school because of the benefits and because of the um you know you can by the time you graduate from my school you could basically already have your associate's degree in college if you go on the right track and they they offer all those different classes and and benefits and it's, it's a big draw because the public schools in the area are are so mediocre so you do try you know many parents uh constantly try to get their kids into into my school but um it it, it only can hold so many people so trying to get those surrounding regular public schools to to raise their uh 
I guess, quality or to raise their level of excellence is always the big challenge because, you know, we constantly get overwhelmed every school year where everybody trying to come to this particular school and we don't have other schools around that offer those same like STEM programs or, or IB programs to, you know, where they can start college at, in, you know, 10th or 11th grade. Okay. Now, like I said, for me, because I may be one of those few parents who are looking more holistically as opposed to just, you know, academic excellence. So are you okay. saying that we need to invest in our children's education? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying I may be one of the few parents who are looking at the holistic development of my child. Okay. Where well, I'm you, looking at a, at an institution, not only in the, you know, developing in the classroom, but outside the classroom as well. That's why I mentioned, you know, hypothetically, my son is also involved in community service as well as academics. That's my point. I think the issue, and you know, this is kind of interesting because I use this all the time, invest. Mm -hmm. When you invest in something, you sow your resources into it. And in many cases it becomes better. Right. Right. You know, unless it has a bad leader, but so, but I don't think we're doing this job. We're doing the job of investing in our schools. We're not doing a great job of investing in our community. We're not doing the best job in investing in our youth. And I think the solution to this is pushing investing. And I'm not just talking about money. Right. But I think the solution to this situation is investing. And you talked about how there are some businesses with really bad customer service. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that the reason that these businesses have poor customer service is the leaders of these businesses don't invest in customer service training for their employees. Right. Because one and one of the principles I talk about in here is this uh if i'm in an ownership or a management position how i train my staff will lead into how the staff treats the customer so if i treat the staff well then that treatment from the staff will spill over into the customer and a prime example is what dr onion palmer did at the marcus garvey school in la he trained the teachers and then the teachers wound up investing in the uh, in the students. That's one of the things that he found because many of those teachers were never certified by the state of California. But because of the love that they have for the students and their personal investment in their well-being, allowed the children to excel. All right. Well, let, let's let's bring a real-world example. How do we invest to prevent this type of... Ooh, that was a good punch. Uh, uh, how do we invest in our children so we can prevent this savagery, this N-word stuff from happening? Mm -hmm. Now, since you uh, picked up... Since you're pointing out uh, females, okay? And I forgot where I read the statistic, but it was a long time ago where 
investing in after-school programs for young females, okay, when you when you have them involved in after-school programs, especially between the hours of 3.30 to 7.30, you can drastically minimize the risk of uh, teenage pregnancy or any other type of um, at-risk behavior. For, for for young females. Uh, that's why you have groups like Girls Inc. Um, you know, giving them something constructive to pour their energies into after school. I'm just, you know, bringing that up as an example. Um, and, and you said that investing, not just in terms of financial resources, but as adults, even though we may not have children, um, those of us who don't have children, can we invest our time in these young people? You know, we always talk about the, you know, mentoring programs, but other programs, like one of the things I wanted to do is to volunteer and be on the coaching staff. But because of all these restrictions that they've made, where as, as older brothers, we don't have access to our young brothers who are going through that whole gladiator experience as athletes all right well okay okay you, you know I, I'm, I, like i, I said I'm, yeah I, I, I wonder if we're grasping at straws <sighs> we got some junk happening in our schools and in our community mm-hmm. if i take your approach where we need to make sure that the leaders do a better job of training mm-hmm. that would be making sure our parents do a better job of parenting making sure our teachers do a better job of teaching mm-hmm. making sure our administrators do a better job of administrating mm-hmm. how can we affect that right now because we've had two to three generations where you know savagery has become the norm and that's what we talk about in our songs, you know. It's, I'll, I mean, it's 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 a process. I mean, and like I said, it's like you're having to take on a, a system. I mean, I remember, I'm in I'm in the car, you know, I'm carpooling with a couple of people, and I'm listening to WBLS in New York City, and I'm listening to Steve Harvey. And whoever his co-hosts were talking about sex toys. Now, here we are. It's 830 in the morning and parents are taking their children to school. And I've got a grown man giggling with his two co-hosts talking about sex toys. Okay, is is that the type of stuff that we want our children listening to when they're getting ready to go to school? And like I said, these are the type of battles. And that's why I said, you know, there's no, there really is no quick fix for this. It's a process. You know, I wish there was a quick fix, but because of the enormity and the, and now we seem like we've institutionalized savagery, you know, and it, it just really seems like we're, we're, we're constantly fighting this uphill battle. To, to civilize those who may be uncivilized. 
So I don't know if there's a, 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 a quick fix that that can resolve this, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, you're muted. There you go. I, 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 I'm, I'm, yo, Tahid, man, is there something that we can do today? Yo, listeners, viewers, there's something that we can do today because we got to push this excellence. You know, we really have to do a better job of pushing excellence. You know, I would start with, I would start with banning cell phones in public school. You, you can do tell, do tell, do tell, do tell. Like, like I do in my class, like I have one of those like little cubby things, like where you would put the calculators. But instead of putting the calculators, when they come in, they put their phone in in those compartments, and that does wonders for my class and 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 being able to differentiate instruction, being able to actually uh, teach, and and not have to compete so much with um, their phones and their FaceTiming people and Snapchat and TikTok and, and all the other platforms. And, you know, but I, I really would like to see what would happen, you know, if we just tried it for a school year okay. and just say here in DeKalb County, you know, and I know a lot of parents would be like, you know, oh, I need to have to get in touch with my kid. Well, what did we do 20 years ago? You call to the front desk and they called your kid on the intercom and then you go to the you go to the front. Right. Like, I, I feel like that still can 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 be an effective way to cut down on the distractions. And because a lot of these fights, they're motivated because somebody wants to film it and put it on TikTok. Like it's like mm. it's like they do this stuff and everybody's trying to go viral and, and be famous and 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 now if you get a hundred thousand likes you're you're famous I guess. So it's like and and they'll they'll do it by any means necessary, whether they gotta get naked, where they gotta fight, what whatever they gotta do to go viral and, and be famous. Mm. And I think if we can you asked what can we do today? Yeah, what I don't can we know. do today? That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know if it'll work, but my, in my mind, immediately I thought, stop letting them bring cell phones to school. So what you're talking about is really creating a new culture. You know, so which, so with the the which is something leaders should do. Right. So you're talking about you know, having them check their cell phones in when they walk in the door, yeah. you're automatically establishing a culture where learning can blossom and thrive by minimizing and eliminating anything that uh, interferes with that culture of learning. Yep. And I have I have what I call the Copeland N-word wall. Right. So if you say the N-word in my class. I write your name on the sticky and I put minus 25 and I put it on the wall. Um, I, I wish I could show you a picture. I got a, I got a, a wall of, of about 20 different students that, that used it because I don't allow that word in my class. Um, and if you say that word, then you automatically, I let the parents know as well. Every time you say that word, 
I'm going to take 25 points off something in the grade book um, that that you that you've earned. So if you had a hundred on something, now you got a 75 because <laughs> you decided you want to use the N word. And, and I, I set the mantra every day. Welcome to Copeland, where every day is a beautiful day. As long as you keep it that way, your emotional maturity determines the direction of this class. And I say that over and over and over. Put your cell phone, check your cell phone. Hey, welcome. You say the N word. This is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm very predictable. I make it very simple. And when they know every day they come into my class, I'm going to make it fun. But at the same time, there's going to be a level of respect. Um, I don't, we don't do the bullying. We don't do any of that because, you know, we, we, we have a purpose. We're, we're, again, we're trying to fight against this system and create critical thinkers. And it's, it's a total, it's really an uphill battle. But those are some of my suggestions that I, that I use in my class and I think works. No, and, and I think that's, that's uh, critical. And I'm going to take a word that, that is used in, in Japanese business culture. It's called Kaizen. K-A-I-Z-E-N. Loosely translated, it means continuous and never-ending improvement. And what's talked about um, within Japanese business culture is can you be, can you make a 1% improvement each day? So can you be 1% better today than you were yesterday? And can you be 1% better tomorrow than you were today? OK, now that concept came from an American mathematician named Dr. Uh, w. Edwards Deming, the Deming method. In fact, there's an award in Japan, uh, Japanese business called the Deming Award. So that whole thing of making a gradual improvement like what you were uh, alluding to and referring to, uh, is that something you feel at a at a ground zero level, you being in the classroom that you can, you know, uh, I don't want to say enforce, but you can implement, you know, and instill into your students that whole concept of Kaizen. I like the Kaizen approach, continual improvement. When I worked for the Workforce Council, you know, the work, you know, in, in every area of the United States of America. Mm. There's something called a, uh, a, a American Job Center. And mm. the American Job Center, it might be called something different in every area, but the American Job Center is federally funded operations to help people to get jobs or get better jobs. Mm-hmm. And my job was to help the in- continuous improvement of the American Job Center in my area. Mm-hmm. And so I found ways where if you walk in and you speak German within one hour, we can help you get a job or a better job. Mm-hmm. If you walk in and you're, you know, you're blind. Yeah. Workforce development. Yeah. If you walk in and you're blind, you're unable to see within an hour, we can serve you and provide you with the same services that I could provide to somebody who's not blind. If mm-hmm. you walk in and you speak Tagalog, you know, within an hour, we should be able to serve you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the continuous improvement things that we had to work with. Um, 
And Marty says, it's sick these days. Some of us get a kick out of seeing ourselves suffer. Self-hatred is real. It all starts with self-love. Um, I, I agree with you, Marty, because when we talk about when we talk about customer service, it's the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat others. Mm-hmm. And I like the Kaizen approach because if we're able to get our students, if we're able to get our neighbors mm-hmm. to walk outside and say, hey, how can I be a better student? How can I be a better neighbor, a better citizen? How can I be better for my hood today than I was yesterday and be better tomorrow than I was today? If we can start having these conversations, man, right? we can start changing things. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing that's done, uh, particularly within the Japanese educational system, where I think it's the first, before we even start teaching you skills, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, they take that what would be the equivalent of a from kindergarten to maybe about third or fourth grade, they actually teach you manners and good human conduct because they feel if we establish being a good human being first as the foundation, now we can begin to teach those skills of reading, writing, arithmetic, and so forth. Because I think a lot of times, we're so focused on teaching the what they used to call the three R's until we forget that it has to be on a foundation of good human conduct. Now, I think the late Bob Proctor says any kind of personal development program or educational program, if it lacks a spiritual component, then it's incomplete and insufficient. Incomplete and insufficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what? I, I, I would dare say that we are not teaching our community. We're not teaching our students manners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not teaching them how to be, how to have good human conduct. Right. We're teaching them to be savages. You know, mm. you know, for, for the last 30, 40 years, it's been, I don't give a F. Mm-hmm. And we're teaching our children, I don't give a F. Mm -hmm. And our students are coming to the school system and saying, I don't give a F. They're coming out of school, if they finish school, saying, I don't give a F. And now we have 30 years of I don't give a F as the major driving force in our community. Mm -hmm. So it it may sound cheesy, but I'm thinking if we go back to teaching manners, we, I mean, because you and I, the three of us, we all grew up. And we know we walk. Hi, Miss Taylor. Good morning, Miss mm-hmm. Taylor. <laughs> you were all in our places with bright, shiny faces, and this is the way to start a new day. That's what we kind of grew up with. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting said. is the children that I see excelling in the school environment and outside of the school environment are those who've mastered those skills. Mm-hmm. And those children who've mastered those skills of manners when they get in when they start operating in arenas of power in that round table of power look at how they conduct themselves okay because we can't bring a savage to the round table of power because 
only thing you know how to do is to operate from a savage mindset or, or a savage paradigm. Okay. I remember I had a, a, a Sunday school music teacher. She always says that manners, manners will open doors where money can't even pick the lock. Now, now you've mentioned a Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. Our current environment has really moved away from the church. You know, have we lost something when we were placed in an environment where we really had to show great behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what you've done is, and, you know, I, I just call it. The one thing that not just the church, but the masjid, the synagogue or whatever, it taught us in its own way, self-mastery. And that self-mastery came through teaching us good critical thinking skills, good conduct, how to address not only adults, but also your peers. Okay. And that self-mastery has been uh, dormant. Somewhere along the line, we've lost that concept of mastering ourselves. You know, there, there was a time where we had those enrichment programs that taught us how to master ourselves and master our emotions when we start operating uh particularly you know uh i think stem was mentioned earlier okay where you need a level of self-mastery in order to be able to operate in areas of science and technology uh engineering uh things that require logic where you couldn't just lash out you had to really think through that whole process uh of how do I get from, you know, the beginning to the end here? It seems like we want to skip through the process, which, which I think you're beginning to see what that, uh, how that has manifested itself, where we don't want to go through a process anymore. Yeah, I would say that in this information age, this enlightenment age, when we find all the problems in the church, in the synagogue, in the masjid, in the house, uh, you know, the house of worship, mm-hmm. where we've actually lost some things, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, there was a time when you had to sit in church and you had to be quiet. Our children can't sit in schools and be quiet. And they're not going to church. Mm-hmm. And so and. and and I'm not saying people should go to church or shouldn't go to church. I'm not pushing that. I'm simply saying to be in an environment where you had an expectation of a certain level of behavior and the entirety of the environment enforced that expectation. There was a code in church. Hmm. And even though we've moved away from the churches and the church has really moved away from us as well, it's a totally different conversation. Hmm. Having a situation or environment where your children had to be on code. The code was either deliberate, it was spoken, it was unspoken, but you knew how to act. 
since our children don't necessarily have that experience anymore, I don't think that in school and in the community they're they're behaving well because they never they rarely are in situations where they have to be good be you know you know well behaved and it's enforced. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What do you think? What do you think, Tyne? I think he he uh, nailed he put the nail on the head when he was saying that that spiritual component has been lost, right? They, they they've taken that whole idea of of training and uh, the whole manners thing and trying to um, I guess incorporate that with the actual learning and to make make that part of your education. And like you said, I can think you know you know back when I was when I was in school, you know, it, it was a level of respect that was that that was there, a level of almost reverence for your teachers because these people treated you, they had good customer service. And, <laughs> and, and, and when, you, when you talk about taking that spiritual component out of uh, education and, you know, you don't pray in school anymore, you don't do any of that anymore. Right. And it, it kind of opened the gateway for um, social media and savagery, as as the minister was saying. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I had a chance to talk with some. Uh, with some Nation of Islam brothers who part of part of their whole thing is drill. You know, when in their manhood training process, you know, going into uh, the fruit of Islam. Okay. Uh, there was one elder who, who's a 30 year soldier FOI. When he was in the school system, he brought that whole drill training process and was teaching it to the young males and the young females. And it seems like what has happened is when, when programs like that are missing, and that's why I mean by the whole thing about spirituality, that whole concept of mastering yourself. Okay. So that way, when you master yourself, or as the brothers would say, when you have conquered yourself or overcome yourself, now you can be able to conquer anything that comes in front of you, any subject matter, uh, et cetera. So it's about where where are those programs that teach young people how to master themselves, how to persevere and uh, persist and overcome adversity. You know, I was listening to Nick Saban. He says that he felt that present generation doesn't know how to persist and persevere when adversity hits. You know, it's like everybody wants to look for the escape hatch. Everybody's looking for the, pa- the you know, the parachute mm. instead of how do I go over, go under, or go through uh, an adverse situation. Well, tonight's discussion was to kind of discuss customer service mm-hmm. and how it impacts us in business, how it impacts us in our communities, how it impacts us in our homes and our schools. We had with us the good brother Tahi. We had the good brother Minister Zumbi Shawala. Um, any last words, brethren? I know we're not going to solve everything tonight, but I do think we came up with some great strategies. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we talked about manners. So if, if you're in a situation where you have influence over some children, we got to push the manners thing. I know it sounds corny, right? Uh, um, you know, we had just a, uh, a commenter who said we don't need to go to church. And I don't, I'm not pushing that. <laughs> the commenter says, start at home, duh. Have manners within your household. You don't need to go to church. I agree. That's actually exactly what I was saying. We need to make sure that we place our our children in an environment where they're expected to act and behave a certain way. And then they'll take those same values into other areas of their life. And, and, and that yeah, and that requires a healthy village. Okay. You cannot expect a sick village to produce healthy human beings. So you have to make sure that you have a healthy village that produces a healthy culture that can produce a healthy human being. So how do we create the healthy village? My answer, okay. invest. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it was Gandhi who says, be the change you want to see in the world. I've always said revolution begins in the mirror. So before you start demanding something of children, demonstrate what it is that you want your children to demonstrate. You set the agenda. You set the example. I still remember that there was a time when adults would never smoke in front of children because they want Ooh. to set the example of how we as the youth should conduct ourselves. In fact, I, I still remember... Uh, Mrs. Lily Mae James, may the universe be pleased with her. Um, I had asked her one time, I said, uh, this is in the mid 80s. I'm, I'm in high school. I said, Miss James, you know what? How do you feel about this rise in seeing women smoking? She said, you know, I think it's a bad thing. I think it's very unladylike and unbecoming of being a lady and a woman. And she asked me and, and my friend Eugene, she says, now when you uh, young men become men, promise me that you will never date a woman who smokes. And to this day, I, I kept that promise to her that I never dated a woman who smoked, all because of what she had asked me and Eugene. All right. So you didn't date them, but you. <laughs> nah, I mean, no involvement, nothing. Nothing. You know, all because right. we, looked at, we looked at her as a community mother. Okay. You know, but but because of, of her influence and and because we respected her so much, you know, when, when she asked that of us, you know, and and that just just that impact on, on my life today, you know, do 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 we even have that type of impact on our young people? Even though she's no longer in the physical with us, that still resonates with me today brother Tahid, man uh any last words uh i just uh would like to echo the the sentiments of being a good example i think that when the, when the kids see a, a good example of, of of what a man or what a woman should be and they they want to emulate because if you get if they get a lot of bad examples then you know we see the product of that 
these kids aren't just coming up with these this stuff on their own. They're they're basically mimicking what they see. And it starts with the examples that we set. And if we can, you know, be cool and at the same time be strict, I think, you know, being able to to relate to them but teach them something at the same time, that's the trick. And and I I love the idea about being one percent better every day. I, I'm going to start using that. That's that's something I, I definitely going to implement. Minister Zumbi, our uh, resident scholar and advisor. Any last words, bro? Be the change you want to see in the world. Okay, everything begins in the mirror, and as as our uh, Elder teacher, Dr. Chike Aku always says, demonstration beats conversation every time. All right. And hey, my words are simple. My words are simple. Invest. <laughs> invest. Invest in those around you. Invest in yourself. Invest in your future. Invest in the community. So, so that means you got to do something in the community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Invest in the schools. That means you have to do something in the school. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a janitor. You don't have to be a principal or a counselor. Mm -hmm. We can invest in our schools in measurable ways. You know, when I say measurable, I mean, you want to do it in a way where you can see that next week the school is better because you were there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. to do as much as you can in the way that you can to make sure that your school is more beautiful and beneficial than you inherited it. You know, and that's Ujama, fifth principal Nia. Uh, I mean, that's Ujama. No, that's Ujima. Yeah, that's Ujima. So, uh, hey, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Hey, we want to shout out all the uh, viewers who left comments today. Salute to the master students from Crumb TV. Salute to the Code Keepers. We love you all. You know, as I say, drink your water. Mm. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Oh, you know what? I want to say happy daddy's life to all the pops out there. So if you're a mm -hmm. father, enjoy your father's life, man. Enjoy your life as a father. You know, mm. happy father's life. You know, somebody nice. told me happy father's life one day. And I was like, wow. Mm. Peace to you, Marty. Peace.